true, people need the Lord. And uh, it's not just true out there. It's true right here. People need the Lord. <clears throat> Have you gotten your smiley from God this week? Amen. I like that. Thanks again, Sherry. Seriously, I want to remember that. I need a post-it note myself, if you have one. <laughs> I'm telling you, each morning is a new day. And Lamentations 3 tells us that his mercies are new every morning. Amen. Psalm 143, verse 8, in the New International Version, says, May the morning bring word of your unfailing love to me. And each morning, God has a word for you. And I pray that God has a word for you today. Um, I'm excited this morning because we get to start a new sermon series. Last month, we looked at New Year, New You. And this month, our sermon series is entitled Discipleship 101. Discipleship 101. Now, I don't know what your educational experience has been, what your college experience has been. So maybe just, just the sound of that, 101, it's like, uh, it's like hearing uh, nails on a chalkboard or something. <laughs> but I just want to welcome you to the School of Discipleship with Jesus Christ. Uh, so with, with the spirit of that in mind, we're going to start actually with a little bit of a group activity. Is that okay? We're going to start with a little bit of a group activity. I know it's a little unconventional, but that's all right. So uh, just for the next few minutes, I want you to find someone that's next to you or in your proximity. Maybe it's your own kids or someone behind you you haven't even met. Go ahead and introduce yourself. And here's the simple question. We're going to open up to Matthew. We're going to open up to Matthew chapter 4, the scripture that was read for us this morning. Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4, looking at verses 18 through 22. So Matthew 4, 18 through 22. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. If you haven't already looked out the corner of your eye to see who's around you, who's going to be in your group, okay? We're just gonna, looking for one or two other people just to kind of discuss with. And here's the simple question. Simple question from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. If I could come up with a one-line definition or description of what it is to be a disciple, what would I say? All right? So that's the question for your group. I want you to take two or three minutes. What, give me a one-line definition or description of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Find someone next to you. Find a few others. Ready, set, go. All right, you still got a few minutes to keep thinking, keep talking. I'm going to press you a little bit more with a little bit more sharp of a focus. If you could give it to me in concrete terms, okay, concrete terms, habits, practices, what does it really look like in the flesh to be a disciple? Okay, keep, keep talking. 
All right, another minute and a half, 90 seconds, go. Okay, we'll go 30 more seconds. Go 15 more seconds. Don't worry, there's not going to be a quiz on this later. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. All right. Okay. <laughs> you guys did great. I, I think there was some good discussion. I couldn't hear quite everything, but would anybody like to share just some, some of the ideas that kind of arose from your group? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so there's a two, two, two aspects, following Christ and also sharing what you experience as you do follow Christ. Okay, any other ideas? Fishing for converts. Fishing for converts. Okay, yeah, that gives me a, a visual image there. That's good, concrete, I like that. Helping someone through a crisis. Helping someone through a crisis, okay. So that, that's something that, that a disciple would practice. Okay, any, any, other, any other ideas? A student. Yes, yes, yes. Right here. Uh, doing, what would do. doing what Christ would do. Good, good. Wow. Whoa. That's a radical willingness. Yeah. Just to drop whatever it is, prioritize. Yeah, following Jesus all the way. Right here. Praying with someone that needs prayer. Thanks for thinking concrete. That's good. That's good. Okay. We've got a couple more. I, I thought I saw a hand. Jandel? Mm, okay. okay. Yeah. So it's about character, and that character demonstrates itself in love toward others. And right here. Yeah. Okay. I, I want everybody to hear this one. Can you say that again? Because Jesus loves me, I will follow him. Amen. Amen. That sounds like an eager beaver line. Is that right? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. Okay. Yeah, last one. Last one. Okay. <laughs> okay, so part of being a fisher of men is patience. Okay, having the sense of timing. Okay, this is great. This is great. All right. So again, welcome to Discipleship 101. <laughs> now, now, what's interesting is that I don't know if you, you felt a little bit of a struggle there when I asked you to think a little bit more in concrete terms, in, in practices and habits. Because if I were just to kind of come up to you and ask you in everyday conversation, you know, well, let's say it's not me. Let's say it's someone that you just happen to be uh, nearby at the store. Um, man, I had one of those uncomfortable moments where I was essentially speechless. This, earlier this week, I was at a funeral, 
And just, you know, funerals themselves, I, I just have a hard time really knowing what to say in those moments, you know? And um, I was talking with one of the family members, and the family members was just asking me a little bit, so you're a pastor, huh? Yeah, yeah, pastor at the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And then he says, what's Seventh-day Adventist all about? <sighs> yeah, and you know, and, and it's one of those moments where like, okay, do I go through the 2300 days and Daniel 8, 4, you know, stuff like that? Um, and so I just, uh, I'll, this is the confession of a pastor, okay? I, I felt really insufficient at the moment. You know, 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer for, what you, uh, for the reason for the hope that you have. Anyways, I didn't, I didn't have anything very articulate and compelling at the moment. And sometimes I wonder that if someone were to ask me, so what is, what is being a disciple of Jesus about? Would we have something right out of the pocket just to say, you know what, it's this, this, and this? To be honest, I'm not so sure if I would. Uh, and, and so this, this whole month, Discipleship 101, the question that I want us to explore is, what is being a disciple really? You know, if, if I were to put concrete terms, this is what every disciple, this is what every follower of Jesus does, or is, or looks like. That's what I want us to explore this morning. And so in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, it gives us a sense, yes, disciples follow Jesus and they're fishers of men, but at some level there's still a little bit of vagueness to that idea. The picture that we have here is really the call to discipleship, not necessarily the description or job description of a disciple. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes or no? Yeah? And so this whole month, I want us to ask the question, what is it really to be a disciple? What are the trademarks, if you would? What are the, what are the disciplines? What are those practices and habits? What are, those, uh, what are the areas of expertise and experience that a disciple really has? And that's what I want us to look for throughout this month. But here's the thing. How are we going to find it if, if Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22 doesn't give it to us? Where are we going to find this job description? And I would submit to you, as I was studying this, this story this week, I would submit to you that the stories before it and the stories after it actually help us to find it. it it's kind of a, a simple, I guess it's a principle in Bible study. If you're looking at a verse or you're looking at a passage, you're not quite clear about its full implications. You're not quite clear about its significance. Something you can do is just look a little bit before and a little bit behind, and you'll kind of find a more complete picture. It's a principle of context, I guess you could say. Principle, some people like to use big fancy words like principle of juxtaposition. Okay? What's next to it on either side? In other words, what are the bookends? What is it sandwiched by? And in fact, when you look here in Matthew 4, uh, the picture that we just read in our scripture reading, verses 18 through 22, it's sandwiched by a picture of Jesus' personal experience in the wilderness and his public discourse on the mountain. So really what we're seeing in Matthew 4 and 5 is a picture of Jesus' walk and a picture of Jesus' talk. And if being a follower is really this, then it's doing what Jesus did and it's living what Jesus taught. All right? And so for the next five weeks, we're going to take two weeks to look at what Jesus did there in the story of the temptations and then three weeks to look at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. 
to see what he, he's actually articulating about being a disciple. And so this week, we're looking at it, Discipleship 101, the discipline of the wilderness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in this school of discipleship with Christ. And we ask just now that you would instruct us, inspire us, please help us to see what it is to really follow you. In Jesus' name, let the family say, amen. All right, Discipleship 101, the discipline of the wilderness. We're going to the beginning of Matthew chapter 4. You've still got your Bibles open? We're going to Matthew chapter 4. It's a familiar story. But we're going to read and just really sit on this verse alone, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. When you're there, say amen. amen. Good, good. Here we go. I'm reading from the New King James. It says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was led up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Just a little bit of context. If you look, use your eyes just to kind of look a little bit before this story. Jesus has just been baptized. He's come up out of the River Jordan and he's heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well Please, do you remember this story? And the Spirit of God comes upon him in the form of a dove. And, and, and really, this is a big moment in redemptive history. This is the initiation, the kickoff, all right? The launch of Jesus' public ministry. This is a big moment. It's been prophesied in Daniel chapter 9, and this fulfills it completely to a T. And so this is big time. I imagine the angels in heaven just like high-fiving each other, bigger than watching the Super Bowl, okay? And this is huge. Uh, they're just, yeah, yeah, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Now let's see. So they're pulling up their seats, waiting to see what's going to happen next. And I imagine on the other side, the kingdom of darkness, Satan and his hosts are trembling because they know that heaven has intruded to what he claims as his own space. So, so the fight's on. Game on. All right? Now Jesus has just started his public ministry and his first order of business is not to go to the Roman capital. It's not to go to the Jerusalem temple. It's to go to the wilderness. The wilderness? <laughs> Why would Jesus go to the wilderness. I want us to understand something, that, that this is Jesus' first order of business. This is on his top things to do, to go to the wilderness. But why would he do it? He, he, he's, he's going there for a particular reason, and I would suggest, even before we explore the question of why, I would suggest that if this is Jesus' first order of business, it's also the first order of business for those who follow him, too. But what is this life in the wilderness. Do you know what life in the wilderness is like? Now that can be taken in many different ways. Some of you are listening ahead of me, <laughs> and you're kind of connecting the dots, and you're trying to match what metaphor I'm actually headed towards. And some of you, when you think of life in the wilderness, you're thinking of a life of trial and hardship. And when I say, do you know what life in the wilderness is like, you painfully nod your head and you say, yeah. I do. And you, maybe you think of Old Testament stories of the children of Israel 
wandering through the wilderness. Temptation after temptation. Failure after failure. Struggle after struggle. I should let you know that that's actually not the wilderness I'm talking about this morning. But I don't want to ignore the fact that some of us may be there right now. In that kind of wilderness. And if that's you this morning, I just want to to extend God's shmiley to you. Is that okay? I don't want to treat that lightly. Because I think even in the wilderness, God wants us to see how much he loves us. I want you to know that if that's your journey, if that's a, an accurate, like a, an, a painfully accurate description of where you're at right now, you're not alone. And God doesn't want you to be alone. Write this promise down if you need to. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. God says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will uphold you by my right hand. I will never leave you. Isaiah 41, verse 10. If you want to look at Isaiah 40, verses 27 to 31, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. You may feel like it. Every circumstance around you may indicate that God has abandoned you, but he has not. You are not in the wilderness alone. God is walking right there with you. So please, if that's the wilderness you're experiencing right now, know that God is with you. If you need extra prayer and you just need other people to surround you and support you in prayer, uh, like Harold said, we're going to be meeting. There's a group here that meets together for prayer. And if you just, if you're walking through the wilderness, you're looking for a cup of cold water right here, right here. Just come. This little door, it's called the committee room. But that'll be a little sanctuary for you if you need some prayer after the service today, okay? But like I said, that's not the wilderness that we're talking about this morning. When we say the discipline of the wilderness. The reason is because when you look at the original language of Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, and it says that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness, the Greek word is actually talking about not wilderness in terms of its wildness and its harshness, but it's talking about wilderness in terms of its barrenness, in terms of its loneliness, the fact that it's unpopulated, the fact that it's secluded, and the fact that it's solitary. So Jesus' first order of business was to go where he could be alone with God. Do you catch it? That's Jesus' priority, and in fact, it's the priority that he wants every follower of his to have. The first order of business, not to do some glamorous thing for the kingdom, but the first order of business is to seek quiet space with God. Why? Why, why, would, why would this be such a high priority for Jesus? Well, take a look with me. Hold a bookmark in Matthew chapter 4. Go two books to the right. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. When you're there, go ahead and say, I found it. Okay, page is still turning. That's all right. Goes Matthew, Mark, then Luke. All right. Thanks for the honesty. Amen. All right. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. What's interesting is that this verse, 
yeah, let's just read it together. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. I'm going to read it. It says, So he, speaking of Jesus, he himself often withdrew into the what? Wilderness and prayed. Jesus himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So wait, 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 wait. wait. This wasn't just Jesus' uh, one-time priority. This was his regular priority. In fact, the, the Greek verb there, it's a continuous often. That's why it says often withdrew. He was constantly withdrawing, holding back. Why? What, was he just like an introvert that just had a hard time being around people? Is that, is that what it was? No, no, no. Because he needed time to be alone with God. And this verse says, he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So reason number one, why did Jesus go to the wilderness? It was connection. Jesus sought connection with the Father. He wanted to hear the smiley for today, you know? He, he wanted to know what God's word was for him that day. And so there it was. He, he, he looked for connection. And I would also uh, submit that he looked for clarification. Clarification. In Desire of Ages, as she's describing Jesus going into the wilderness, she says on page 114 that he sought to be alone to contemplate his mission and life work. He wanted clarification. He wanted marching orders. He didn't just want to say, hey, I'm going to do what I feel like doing today. He wanted to stop, seclude himself in the wilderness, and understand what God's word was for that day. Actually, take a look at Mark chapter 1. Go to the, to the left a little bit. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. Your fingers are going to get a little exercise today. Is that all right? All right. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. Here's another instance of Jesus withdrawing to a solitary place. Verse 35, it says, Now, in the morning having risen a long while before daylight. Okay, so now we're getting a picture of how this actually is fulfilled in Jesus' life. In the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. The Greek there is the same word as wilderness. He went out to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now notice the, what happens in the immediately following verses. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone's looking for you. All right, so Jesus is becoming a popular teacher. But notice verse 38. He said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because what are the next three words? For this purpose, I have come forth. Now notice, Jesus spends time in the wilderness in a solitary place. Then other people tell him, hey, hey, this is what everybody's expecting of you. They're looking for you. Do this, do that. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I've got another mission in mind. I've got marching orders. So Jesus spent time in the wilderness, not just for connection, but for clarification, to understand what he was supposed to be doing, not just to big picture, not just his whole life, but for that day. Jesus got his marching orders for that day. So, so here it is. Jesus in the wilderness for connection. Jesus in the wilderness for clarification. And I would submit a third reason. Jesus in the wilderness for preparation. Preparation. 
If you have a bookmark still in Matthew chapter 4, there's an interesting line there that at first glance, I didn't quite know how to make sense of it. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness, and then it's this last phrase, to be tempted by the devil. Then Jesus was led up in the wilderness, or led up by the Spirit in the wilderness, to be tempted by the devil. And when you first read that, it's easy to look at that and say, what? The Spirit brought Jesus to the wilderness so that the devil could tempt him? Jesus was led to the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted? Is that what God does? Does God lead us into temptation, yes or no? No, 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 no. James chapter 1 tells us expressly that God does not tempt us, but we are tempted when we are drawn away by our own lusts and desires. Now, here's the thing. So, so if, if this isn't supposed to be read as Jesus was led to the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted, then how are we supposed to read that? Now, I could get all nerdy on you with Greek grammar and stuff like that, but I'm not. Let me just tell you what the possibilities are for the the Greek construction. It's not just to indicate the purpose for Jesus going to the wilderness. It's the result of Jesus going to the wilderness. So watch this. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness with the result that he was tempted by the devil. So I don't want us to fool ourselves into thinking that just because I spend alone time with God, I'm, I've got like this force field around me against all temptation. I, I'll have no struggles. Everything's just going to be a rosy, clear path, you know? We, we ought not fool ourselves into thinking that when we seclude ourselves in the quiet, whether it's devotions or quiet time with God in the morning, that we're just going to be invincible against all, all temptation. No, no, no. That's not it. But we should know that when we do invest that time in the wilderness, in the secret with God, then we'll be braced and prepared for the temptations that do come our way. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Yeah? Let let me just read you something powerful. Uh, There's a little book called Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. And, you know, there are a couple paragraphs on page 102 that are just unbelievable. But let me just read a few sentences. Okay, more than a few. All right, you ready? <laughs> it says this. The disciples had marked how often Jesus spent long hours in solitude, in communion with his Father. His days were passed in ministry to the crowds that pressed upon him, and this incessant labor often left him so utterly wearied that his mother and brothers and even his disciples had feared that his life would be sacrificed. I mean, can you imagine that? So much uh, in giving of yourself that the people that are closest to you are thinking, whoa, 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 you got to draw some boundaries. <laughs> I mean, like, you're just going to give yourself out. Okay. But as he returned from the hours of prayer that closed the toilsome day, they, the disciples, they marked the look of peace upon his face, the sense of refreshment that seemed to pervade his presence. It was from hours spent with God that he came forth morning by morning to bring the light of heaven to men. Wow. And here's the last line. The disciples had come to connect his hours of prayer with the power of his words and works. 
So Jesus sought the wilderness. It was his highest priority because he needed to connect with God. He needed to be clarified about his marching orders, and he needed to be prepared and braced for every trial and temptation that would come his way. Can you see why this was a priority for Jesus? I mean, think about this. This was the Son of God, and he found it absolutely necessary to often withdraw into the wilderness to often withdraw into alone time with God. And if it was the, the priority of the Son of God, wouldn't it be the priority of everyone who claims to follow the Son of God too? Now, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is, uh, again, this is one of those kind of cliche messages, like one of those read your Bible, pray every day. You know, like, I, I don't know how this hits you. Maybe, maybe you think to yourself, why, why would this be such a priority for me? I mean, Jesus did, I, I, I can just kind of do my own thing, right? <laughs> Who are we following? Yeah. And, and if we're going to follow the steps of the master, then we have to follow the steps of the master. He often withdrew into the wilderness because he saw his need for connection, clarification, preparation. I guess the question would really be is, do we see our need for connection, clarification, and preparation? What's, what's interesting to me is that maybe this has been your experience. Um, maybe you've had a taste of spending quiet time with God. Maybe you know what it's like to have devotions and, and to, to take time out, to carve that time out first thing. But then you, you slip out of that habit. And you, at first, you're just kind of like, oh, man, I slipped out of it. I need to get back into it. Has anyone ever been there, done that? Yeah? So you, you realize you've stepped out of the habit, but then you think to yourself, oh, I just, okay, tomorrow. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm going to set the alarm tomorrow. Alarm happens. I don't know what it is. You press the snooze. Okay, tomorrow. <laughs> the next day. The next day. And soon enough, soon enough what will happen, at least in my experience, is it just won't even bother me anymore after that. Like, it, what's interesting is that we'll get used to living without that quiet time with God. And I, I would just appeal to you, if that's where your hearts are, you've just got used to living without that quiet time with God, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you back to it. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you back to it. This, this, this idea of solitude with God, it's not just for the spiritual elite, okay? Let, let me just clarify that. It, it's not just for those who, who are in ministry. It's not just for those who have offices in the church. It's not just for older folks. You, you're a young person listening today, and you're thinking to yourself, what, what's this idea of having devotions? It's for you, too. Uh, may, maybe, you're, uh, maybe you're someone who's had this, uh, this conception. Maybe you're on the older end uh, of the spectrum, and you're thinking to yourself, well, I've got the Sabbath school quarterly, and I go to church, and I, I, I even go to Sabbath school each week. I mean, come on. Uh, I am spending time with God. You know, there's a difference between, let me just kind of pull an analogy that may not necessarily seem appropriate, but do you remember back in high school this concept of group dating? Do you remember what that was? Group dating? Okay, maybe that's Am I just like, <laughs> whoa, time warp. Okay, so here, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Group dating, it's supposed to like, okay, it's a safe place. You can kind of get to know somebody without the pressure of like just being alone with them. 
But here's the thing. If, if in this group dating context, you actually find someone that you want to pursue um, courtship with or eventually get married to, are you just going to stick with group dating for the rest of your life? No. Why? Because at some level, there's an intimacy that you want to get past and you want to just be alone. Whether it's candlelight, roses on the table, I don't know, whatever it is, okay? Here's the point. Many of us are comfortable with just group dating God. Did you hear that? <laughs> Many of us are comfortable with just group dating God, but God, in Revelation chapter 3, says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him singular. Do you realize that God wants time just with you? He's got smileys waiting to give out to you. It's coming back, Sherry. Thanks. But he, I'm telling you, he wants you, me, individually to connect, to be clear, to be prepared. He wants us to experience the discipline of the wilderness. So it's not just for them. It's not just for them. It's for me. Amen. It's for me. And so, so maybe today we're asking ourselves, okay, how? Okay, maybe I'll give it a try. How am I going to do it, though? How am I going to pursue the discipline of the wilderness? Can I just give you three quick things? Three quick things, taken a little bit from Matthew 4 and elsewhere. But if you want to write it down, you may. First, excuse me, first tip. Matthew 4 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. So first thing, if you want to pursue the discipline of the wilderness, ask the Spirit to lead you there. Ask the Spirit to lead you there. You may think that this is like, okay, yeah, I can just set my alarm earlier, and I will have my devotions. I will have my devotions. <laughs> but here's the thing. Even with something as simple as that, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. You see, it was the Holy Spirit that woke Jesus up in the morning. Amen. It was the Holy Spirit that, 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 that pulled his ear a little bit and said, let me give you a word. Amen. You think I'm making this up, but it's in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. It's right there in Scripture. It's a prophecy of the Messiah. It says, he awakens my ear to hear as the Lord. He awakens me morning by morning. Now check this out. If that was the experience of the master, it will be the experience of those who follow the master. Oh, and I can just testify. It's true. When you ask God, this is a prayer that I'm praying every night the last five years, since 2007. I mean, this may be a little extreme, and I'm not necessarily prescribing this to you, but since 2007, I haven't set an alarm clock. Because God has been faithful to his promise every morning. He's woken me up whenever I need it. And you know what? He knows exactly how much time I need with him too. And so I'm not going to beat myself up for not spending enough time because it was up to him to wake me up. I just had to say yes. <laughs> I just had to not resist it when he did draw me there. Okay? So that's the first step. Ask the Holy Spirit, please lead me there. You know, Mark chapter 1, when it's describing this story, it says Jesus was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. So ask the Holy Spirit, not just to like open your eyes, but to actually drive you to that quiet, secluded time with God. Okay, so that's the first one. Ask the Spirit. The second one is fast. Fast. Now here's the thing. In Matthew chapter 4, 
after it says that he was tempted there by the devil. In verse 2, it says, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. So you have this picture that when Jesus went to the wilderness, when he withdrew, he actually withdrew not just physically and geographically, but he withdrew from certain things in his life. Do you realize that in order to connect, we're required to disconnect? If I were to say it another way, if you're going to say yes to something, you've got to say no to something else. Amen. You, you, do you know what I mean? So when, when I'm saying fast, it may not necessarily be physically fasting from food, but ask yourself, what are the deterrents in my life, the things that make it hard for me to seek God? What are the things that, that sap my time? What are the things that sap my affection? What are the things that sap my spiritual hunger? You know that there are certain activities after which you don't feel like praying. You know there are certain things that, that you do or talk about or watch or listen to after which you don't really feel like calling out to God. I would suggest that those are things that are sapping your spiritual hunger. And if that's the case, and you're really wanting to connect with God in the wilderness, consider fasting from those things. Consider fasting. Consider disconnecting. All right, so ask the Spirit, number one. Fast, number two. And then number three is kind of related to the fasting idea, but it's withdraw. withdraw. We read it in Luke chapter 5, 16, but withdraw. And I'm talking about physically manipulating your environment. You know, uh, some people have an actual corner in their room where they set up, like that's the only purpose for this corner, for this chair, for whatever it is, is to have devotions with God. And so they actually create their own little wilderness right there. It's their own secluded spot. Now, I, I'm still unpacking boxes all over the place, and I, I hope that someday <laughs> I'm going to have my own little wilderness in the home. But the reality is that you can do other things to kind of manipulate your environment. You can put your cell phone somewhere else. You know, you, you can, uh, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's you have trouble staying awake and you can actually manipulate your posture. You've found, just like I have, that the pillow is not the greatest wilderness. Okay? <laughs> yeah. And so, adjust your posture from this to this. Huh? Maybe you need to brighten the lights. Maybe you need a glass of cold water next to you. Whatever it is, withdraw and make sure, secure, physically manipulate your environment. Okay, so those are three practical things. Ask the Spirit to lead you fast. Disconnect from the things that are sapping your spiritual hunger. And then withdraw, literally, physically. Manipulate your environment. Now, if you're seriously considering some of these things and you're, you're married, then I would suggest that you and your spouse work some of this stuff out together. Because what you do with your environment is going to affect her environment too, or his environment too, right? What you do with your time is going to affect the rest of the household. Maybe you're a parent with young children, and you're thinking to yourself, how in the world? I mean, like, I could hardly get up in the morning because I've been up three or four times already, you know? Look, God can supply the grace, and he'll supply the time. Maybe it's not necessarily the same time as everyone else, but God will be creative with you. If you'll let him lead you into the wilderness, he will. Uh, you know, I could probably go on and on, but here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. God wants you and him alone. That's the bottom line. Do you want it too? Do you want it too? Discipleship 101, the discipline of the wilderness, I believe that if we're really going to follow Jesus, that this is, this ought to be the first priority. When Jesus called his disciples in Mark chapter 3, verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 14, Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says he appointed the twelve to be with him and to go and preach. Now that's really significant when you think about it. He called the twelve to be with him and to go and preach. So when Jesus calls disciples, it's not just about doing, it's about being with him. When you're called to be a disciple, it's a call to being, not just doing, although that's important. First priority, let's get first things first, the discipline of the wilderness. So maybe this morning you're thinking to yourself, I'm not sure. But I would just encourage you to take it home. Take some of these things. Come back to this story. Ask God, is this really for me? I guarantee you, if you ask with an honest heart, he'll tell you it is. <laughs> he'll tell you it is. So as we close this morning with prayer, I want you to think, how is tomorrow morning going to be different because of this call to the wilderness? How is tomorrow morning going to be different? Maybe you're not into long-term planning, and that's okay. Just think about tomorrow morning. How is tomorrow morning going to be different? And when tomorrow rolls around, think about it again. How is the next morning going to be different? All right. If this is our commitment to follow Jesus in the school of discipleship, to let the discipline of the wilderness be lived out in our lives, I would just encourage you to raise your hand to heaven and say, yes, that's my desire. Please pray for me. Amen. All right. Let's pray together. God, Thank you so much for the privilege we have to be called your disciples. Lord, there are some of us in this room who have been who have been churchgoers since we could possibly remember. We're experts at going to church. And yet if we were to be honest, some of us are inexperienced at going to the wilderness alone with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would grow us in this discipline. Lord, I thank you that you're patient with that process and that you're such a good teacher. And so, Lord, I pray for those of us who have heard you knocking on the heart's door, Lord, we want to open our hearts and just let you in. Please come and sup with us. Abide with us. Morning by morning, I pray that you would miraculously uh, alter the circumstances that it's, it's actually um, easy for us to join you in the wilderness. And if it's not easy, God, give us, give us the spiritual hunger to push past that and follow the Spirit into the wilderness. So, Lord, I pray for each family represented here that they would be able to seek that together as a family. For each individual that's gathered here, that we'd be able to seek that time with you individually. I thank you for your promise. In Jesus' name, let the family say, amen. Yeah. Now, I, I forgot to make one simple uh, suggestion or announcement. 
I realize that some of us, when we think to ourselves, ah, oh, yeah, spending alone time with God, I want to do it. But once I'm there, what do I do? <laughs> you know, um, if that's you, you're not quite sure what, what you do, take a Bible. And um, if you need a resource, you know, maybe some of you already have study guides and things like that. If you need a resource, I'm going to give you a secret resource that nobody else in the world knows of at this moment, okay? And now it's going to go on the recording, and it's going to go all over the web. Okay, so here it is. We have a church website. Simple right now, and we're working on getting it up to, uh, yeah, to really reflect the excellence that, that God has put in this church. Okay, but the website is this, parkwood.adventistfaith.org. Don't put the www, because if you do, for some reason, it kind of, it, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. Parkwood.adventistfaith.org slash wilderness, okay? If you're looking for a resource, I've posted a very simple little journal page that you can use to kind of guide your study of a passage. You pick your own passage. I would suggest Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Just pick one story and go through the questions that are there. It gives you an opportunity just to write responses to God there, okay? So you can find that document online, parkwood.adventsfaith.org slash wilderness. It's a secret. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry? Parkwood.adventsfaith.org slash wilderness. And we can put it in the bulletin next week, but then it really won't be secret. Anyways, <laughs> But yeah, if you're looking for a resource, you, you want to say, ah, how am I supposed to actually read through a story so I can actually have meaningful time with God? Go, go to that page. See if it helps. It may not necessarily be a great help to you, but it's been a great help to me. Anyways, blessings to you. Happy Sabbath, friends. Be blessed by Jesus Christ.